Hello, and welcome to Stern Chats. I'm Justin Katches. And I'm Stephen Avila. And we are taking over for Frank and Sherry. And we are just one set of two new host pairs you'll hear this season. And we are so grateful that you, the listener, are joining us today. Because welcome to another episode of Stern Chats. This week, we are lucky to have with us the founders of one of Nigeria's most exciting footwear companies, Tondos. JG and Taffy Iodeli, founders of Tondos, are an unstoppable husband and wife powerhouse who hail from, where else? NYU Stern. Here to give us a little more insight before we bring them in is one of our wonderful associate producers, Eric Waters. What's up, Eric? Hey, Stephen, Justin, thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks for, being, for here. being here. So, Eric, you had the chance to talk to JG and Taffy in pre-production. Can you set the table for our audience? Yeah, I think my main takeaway there was just the energy that the two of them bring. They really have this passion for what they're doing, and it's it's the same passion that they bring to their business. And what's really interesting about them is they have these complementary skill sets that they really feed off of each other, and it, it works between them and their life personally, and it works in the business clearly. But what's even more important, and this shows, uh, you know, it speaks to their passion, especially from where they come from, this being their homeland. They've created this platform for African artists to showcase their design work which they incorporate into into the flat they're really the definition of doing well and doing good and, and I'll let them tell the story but it, it really is magic yeah we're really looking forward to hearing them share their story thanks for all your help with the episode before you get out of here since you're new to stern chats why don't you introduce yourself to the audience of course so I'm a Florida boy I grew up um, on the edge of the Everglades down there with uh, my 11 siblings so you can imagine we had some fun down there I ended up going to University of Central Florida which are the reigning national champs of course and uh, I went to work in the field of finance thereafter I spent a couple of years in the back office but then I got this itch to, to move to the big city here, um, knowing that if I ever wanted to make it in finance, this is this is the epicenter. So for the last three years, that's what I was doing, and then I kind of got this itch to go to business school, and where else would I go but NYU Stern, wanting to transition to investment banking. As far as podcasts go, uh, I, I've picked up running recently, and I've also been a bit of a bookworm, and I figured it's a very convenient and efficient way to kind of get that intellectual stimulation while also working out. And so podcasts have become kind of a central point in my life, and that's why as soon as I got here to NYU Stern, I knew I had to be part of uh, Stern Chat, so I appreciate you guys letting me be a part of the magic. Well, uh, we appreciate that, and thank you very much for being here and helping us out with this episode, and, and don't forget to tell all those siblings to give us a listen. <laughs> Will do. Steven, you ready to get started? Let's put on our headphones and stern up the volume. Cue that music. University Stern Campus, this is Stern Chats, the podcast that tells the hidden stories between the lines of someone's resume. In the interest of serving the Stern community, building relationships, and unlocking important life lessons, we present these stories to a wider audience. Welcome to today's episode of Stern Chats. I'm Justin Katches. And I'm Stephen Avila. And we are lucky to have JG and Taffy Ayodeli, Stern alum and founders of Tondos, with us in the studio. JG, Taffy, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for We're having excited. us. Thanks Welcome having to the us. studio. Thank you. Thanks. So we're really excited to be here. This is actually our first podcast as well. So it is. Thank wow. you. And you guys were both here for launch as well. So you've, you've been back to Stern recently. Oh, yeah. We were even here yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> we're here quite a bit. Yeah. First time in the studio, though. First time First in the studio, time in and the I studio. dig it. I dig. I dig it. It's very nice. Love the branding. It's the I violet like the lighting. Vibe. Yeah. There you yeah, go. It's right. Very, yeah. very sets the mood. Yeah. <laughs> so Taffy, I remember uh, you were up on stage speaking about Tondos, and JG, you uh, you walked in a little late, and you sat right down the front row. And what happened next? 
What happened next? If I recall correctly, I was called out by James Kingham <laughs> to come on stage. And so I think what happened was they were talking about like the ways in which the new incoming students can take advantage of the vast array of resources that Stern has available. And I thought I could just voice my opinion from where I was sat. I was like, you know, JG, it'd be more impactful if you get on stage <laughs> and, uh, you know, share this knowledge. But, you know, it was fun. So it was a good time. Uh, giving back to the community because it's clearly been very good to us and any opportunity we get to come back and give back and share our experiences, you know, we definitely take advantage of those. Awesome. Yeah, and just for our listeners, launch is uh, the orientation here for new MBAs. Before we kick off, we'd love to just, you know, you guys introduce yourselves, tell us who you are, tell us a little bit about Tandos. Sure. So I can go first. Sure. You guys already know me. I'm Taffy Iodele. But when I was, before being Taffy Iodele, I was Taffy Woolward. Mm-hmm. I was born in Georgetown, Guyana which is in South America, if most people don't quite know, we're the only English-speaking country in South America. My parents moved to Queens, New York when I was three, so I grew up in Queens until the age of about 13, and then I moved to New Jersey. I went to NYU undergrad, so I'm a double Violet alum. Yeah, right before Stern, kind of what drove me to business school is I worked in New York State government for three years. I worked as the director of diversity programs for the New York State Dormitory Authority, the largest issuer of uh, municipal bonds in the state. And um, I worked with a lot of entrepreneurs. I was an intrapreneur um, in government and uh, wanted to come to business school to become an entrepreneur. I love the word intrapreneur. Yeah. I I don't know if that's used enough. It should be. It should be. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Is it coined? Um, It's... Hmm, that's a good question. I think we just trademarked it. We might have. <laughs> you heard nice. it here first. <laughs> All right, JG. Um, JG Ayudele. I am Nigerian uh, by origin, but I was actually born in New York. And I know we're talking about how Taffy and I have close ties to Stern, but my story with Stern actually goes way back, like, what, 37? 38 years. 38 years ago. So both my parents went to Stern. Amazing. A legacy. And both my parents, Mm -hmm. they met at Stern. Uh, My dad was a year ahead of my mom. They both were undergrad students here. And, you know, right from Nigeria, came out to school here. So Stern means a lot to me. It goes way back into in terms of, like, my history. So right before business school, I was in the world of finance. So I dabbled in investment banking, portfolio management, leverage finance with uh, Bank of America and then GE Capital. Really covered a variety of industries from real estate to healthcare, uh, media, retail. And the reason why I decided to go back to school was because I had this burning desire to really pursue my passion in the media, entertainment, and tech space. And Stern's program was very attractive to me. And then for sentimental reasons as well, like I mentioned earlier, it made sense for me to, to come here. And there was an initiative at Stern that also really influenced my decision, which is at the time was called IMI, so the Industry Mentoring Initiative. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it's still called that now. It's for career switchers. And when I was at Stern, the partner company was Time Warner. And so we got to, it was a very selective program. I mean, you had to apply. I think they only took like 10 students or so. And you really got to... Uh, you got exposed to the different uh, businesses that Time Warner had. So it was a very sort of a holistic uh, way for me to understand the, the media the media business. And, you know, the, the student clubs as well at Stern were very influential into how we came about starting, uh, starting Tondo. So Amazing. that's all at Stern, you know, like the media entertainment program, the community, family legacy, were all reasons that had me come through these doors. JG, I got to ask, your parents met at Stern? Yes. 
a very lovely story. Yes. Was that going through your mind when you came to Stern? <laughs> I mean, you clearly met your wife, and I was wondering if you could just walk us through that story, how that happened. That's what did you see in each other, and were you inspired <laughs> by your parents? We got to know. That's a good question. I think maybe it wasn't actively going in my mind, but maybe subconsciously, you know, as these things might uh, tend to happen. But in terms of how we met, so while I was at Stern, I tended to be very involved in student life. So I was the president of the Association of Hispanic and Black Business Students, ABBAS, as mm -hmm. it's known. And I was also the EVP of Stern in Africa. And clearly because I had a, uh, still have a very strong passion for Africa. And so this was a way for me to really tap into that. And Taffy also had a similar interest in, in Africa. And then she showed up at our launch event. Nice. Um, so my, uh, the president and I were very nervous about, you know, what the turnout was going to be because it's one of like the smaller clubs. Mm -hmm. But we're kind of, we're happy, you know, with the, with the turnout because, you know, the narrative around Africa was changing and it's still changing. You know, like the economists came out with a really good story about Africa being on the rise. And so there was this interest amongst the students about, you know, what's happening in Africa and what's it about. And Southern Africa could be a good way for us to, to figure that out. And, and Taffy, why did you show up to that meeting? Coming to Stern, part of, I mentioned earlier, I wanted to focus on entrepreneurship. And I was open to kind of learning about other parts of the world, not necessarily starting a business in the U.S. Um, I have an aunt who works for the U.N. and she's been stationed in West Africa for the past 10 years. And so I was just interested and, you know, what the business climate was in, uh, in Africa. And that's how I got to meet JG. Mm -hmm. So how, how did you, is this one of those situations where you walk in and look across the room and you guys locked eyes and, and, and that was, <laughs> that's it, exactly the rest what is it history? Was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, From no. our part. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. Skies parted. You know? and <laughs> Not at all. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll give my side of the story. Yeah, I'll give my side of the story, too. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, no, JG did a great job presenting Africa, the opportunities in Africa. I mean, my mind was blown. I was like, wow, Africa Rising was a new book that had come out recently. I think Jake Bright wrote that book. And mm -hmm. it was just, wow, this is a continent that I would really love to visit, potentially work. And so I think you guys had a reception afterwards. Right. We had a great conversation. At Negril. At Negril. Yes. And I was, I couldn't stay for long. He kind of like kept me there longer. And I'm like, I'm supposed to meet my classmates for sake and sushi and, <laughs> you know, and so I left, but it was, that was like the beginning of our friendship. And mm -hmm. I noticed, um, I was president of the first year class. So I noticed that Monday nights, you know, after my student government meetings, JG would conveniently, you know, be in the leadership lounge. You know. So working on class projects. Uh, yeah. mm. So you guys taking yeah. uh, corporate <laughs> finance with the motoring? No, no, not yet, right? Because your first year is right? Not yet. Okay, all right. So let's just say, like, if you do take that class, the project, which we could go back to that. There's an interesting story around the project. No, we won't tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> we built our friendship. I mean, we spent more time together right. working on Stern, the inaugural Stern in Africa conference. Mm -hmm. I became, they kind of wrote me into being the marketing VP for Stern in Africa. And it was tough because I was managing student government, which mm -hmm. is a lot of work, but I was very interested in the project. And it was the first time Stern would have an Africa-focused conference. We ended up working a lot together, even over the Christmas break. Mm -hmm. And um, that's really what got our friendship going. And, and this was the first time that you two had worked together on something. Yeah. yeah. And it was That's a huge true. success. And it went really well. It yeah. Did. We Destiny. had over 200 attendees. Yeah. The keynote speaker was the former president of uh, Credit Suisse. Yeah. Who also happened to be uh, Nigerian. And a former classmate of his dad. My Not at NYU, but at, yeah, in, in high in, school. In Nigeria. In Nigeria. Yeah, in high school in Nigeria. Yeah. Ah, yeah. It was a success. Dean Henry gave some remarks. Mm -hmm. It was 
it was great. And so, yeah, I think that was when we were like, hmm, maybe so there's th something here. There's <laughs> an essence of magic in this story. You know, you two yeah. met each other. Things are going well. You're in business school. You're here in New York. Tell us a little bit how this connection led to you guys starting a business together, the ideas behind that. What, what sparked some of that uh, enthusiasm? Sure. So... As you know, right, when you when you come to business school, you either pursue, I guess, what are deemed to be, uh, what's deemed to be a traditional career path or non-traditional. Mm -hmm. And so I pursued a non-traditional path, right? I've been interested in media, um, entertainment, and tech, and just knew how the recruiting cycle worked for that or the lack thereof of a recruiting cycle. You sort of, sort of make your own recruiting cycle. And so based on that experience, when Taffy was um, thinking about internship, actually, let me backtrack for a second. So... My internship was to, uh, I interned with Viacom mm -hmm. in Nigeria. And there's an interesting story behind that. My classmates thought I was crazy because uh, I also got an internship offer with Disney, you know, the headquarters in Burbank. And I think about four of us that got internship offers, which was at the time, I think, a record for Stern. And so everyone was like, oh, JG, so you're excited to go to Disney, right? Like, that's the biggest entertainment company in the, in the world. I was like, yeah, I kind of turned them down. I'm going to Nigeria, and I'm going to work <laughs> into the Viacom <laughs> and try to sell MTV and Nickelodeon to my fellow Nigerians. And everyone was like, what the hell is he thinking? But it ended up being like my best experience ever. I got to work on um, an initiative with MTV where I interviewed the richest um, individual in, in Africa. Um, I worked on a campaign with Nickelodeon. But even more importantly, I got to expand my Stern network, right? Like, you know, we always talk about how wide and vast the Stern network is. And there was a lady that did the Triumph program, which is a joint MBA program with HEC and LSE. Yeah. Right. And so she was in Nigeria as well. And we just got to talking. She was starting up a business in South Africa, um, a tea business. And it was, sorry, very early stage. And so when I got back to, to New York, uh, she reached out to me saying that, hey, you know, just uh, put it out there. I'm going to be looking for interns next summer. If you know anyone that's interested, please let me know. And so, like Taffy mentioned earlier, she's always she's always been interested in uh, in Africa, right? And after hearing my amazing presentation on the opportunity in Africa, the Stern in Africa launch, she was like, you know, I love to you know uh, entertain internship opportunities. And so immediately, I thought about the opportunity that the Stern alum had told me about, and mm -hmm. then connected Taffy to her. And yeah. then you could talk about what happened. So there he's after. networking on your behalf. Yeah, yeah. She, put me, she put me. She put me to work. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> she did. No, he's great. He's great at. I think that's just being that you guys are first years here. Definitely tap into the networks that the second years have because Absolutely. they've kind of been there, done that already. And Sternings were very collaborative and helpful. So, yeah. yeah so JG presented the opportunity with Swati Martin. That's the name of the alum, right. um, and she was based in Johannesburg and starting this company called Yaswara. So her vision was to be the first gourmet tea company out of Africa. Very ambitious goal. But after speaking with her, I was like, she is determined and I, mm -hmm. I want to be a part of this journey. Uh, and I think one of the questions I asked myself as an entrepreneurial and innovation kind of studies major was, do I want to start my own startup or do I want to join an existing startup? And so this was my okay, let me try working with another entrepreneur on an existing startup. I took a huge leap of faith. She didn't have a budget for the intern. She wanted an unpaid intern. She wasn't going to pay for my flight. And as you know, being a student here, funds can be tight if you're not working. <laughs> so I took a leap of faith. I bought a one-way ticket to Johannesburg. Wow. I had never been to South Africa. Didn't um, know anyone. Wow. Didn't know anyone. And I had to go through the process of finding an apartment. So this was like a two-month commitment living 
in a country that I've just never been to and didn't know much about. On a um, continent that you never been to. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had been to Morocco, but that wasn't yeah, you know, literally the other side of the continent. Other, yeah. and, and as you <laughs> as know, the continent is so diverse, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. I'm a risk taker. That's just naturally a, a part of my DNA. So I, I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I remember going there and she was very welcoming, but also very demanding. You know, it was her goal was to be a household name, you know, in the next five mm-hmm. years. So I worked with her and in the process of working with her, I did build relationships in South Africa, met a lot of great people, and most of them happened to be either entrepreneurs themselves or they worked in marketing because I was the business development intern. And so I walked around with a pair of rollable flats. These are flat shoes that roll up. You can put it in your pocketbook or your backpack Mm -hmm. because working for a luxury company, you wear heels a lot. But as a New Yorker, I'm used to going from heels to comfort very quickly. Yeah, you walk Um, everywhere, right? You walk everywhere. So um, in the office, we were moving into a new office, moving furniture. I'm like, I'm not moving furniture in heels. I reach into my bag, put my flats on, and all the ladies in the office are like, wait, what did you just do? Where did these shoes come from? How can they fit in your bag? And so that was like the first moment that this foldable flats came into, you know, conversation. Um, Just fast forward going out on weekends and meeting new people, I would, again, pull it out if I go out and questions and where can I get this? So finally, at the end of the summer, Swati was having a birthday and I was like, I'll buy her, maybe I'll buy her a pair as a gag gift because they were only 10 bucks at Dwayne Reed. But I couldn't find them anywhere in Johannesburg. And I remember even calling JG and asking him, well, is this a product that maybe he had friends who were flying in between Lagos and South Africa. Mm-hmm. Could, you know, could you get it from there and bring it here? But that's when I realized this was not a product that was available in the market mm-hmm. at the time. So I kind of let it go. Um, and then finally, right before I left, I had like a going away dinner and we went out and someone offered me, one of my girlfriends offered me $100 for my $10 flats because she was in so much pain. And I was in so much pain that I didn't even take the $100, (laughs) even though I could have used it at the time because, again, I wasn't getting paid that summer. I needed... (laughs) Yeah. One-way ticket. (laughs) One-way ticket. There you go. So that's when the light bulb really went off because I'm like, hmm, there's obviously a, a need. There's product market fit. I mean, women everywhere need comfortable shoes. And I came back really enthused about maybe turning this into, you know, a business plan. You know, how can we bring foldable flats to Africa? I was able to actually use one of my courses as an independent study. I worked with Professor Jeff Carr in the marketing department. And I said, look, I did an, a marketing internship this summer marketing and business development internship for thinking about starting a foldable flats brand. I immediately like brought JG in because clearly he's from the continent. And that's where it all started. Mm-hmm. So JG, what was your reaction? She calls you up and says, somebody just offered me $100 for my $10 flats. So you better take it. <laughs> <laughs> to fund your trip back. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but when she explained and expanded on this um, product category, so category I'd never heard of before, but when she explained it, I was like, wow, this yeah. is actually a really good idea. And at the time, I was also, so I had worked with a local startup here um, in Long Island City called Songza. 
And as part of a consulting project with the Entrepreneurship Club, it was called EEX at the time. Um, so as part of you know being a member of the club, they had these opportunities for you to consult with local startups. And one of them was Songza. Songza was uh, a music streaming platform that crowdsourced its playlists. And Google acquired it a few years ago. Have you guys heard of Songza? Yeah, I actually oh, okay, used cool. to use it. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah it was a great yeah. product. Absolutely, absolutely. I think they could have got a lot more money, though, but that's a totally separate We'll bring discussion. you back to discuss that yes. one. <laughs> but, but I just found the whole con- – that was my first sort of introduction to the concept of crowdsourcing, and I thought that was just amazing. And one of my uh, – the members of the, of the team then introduced me to another company out of Chicago called Threadless. And Threadless crowdsources designs for T-shirts, mm-hmm. right? At the time, I think they've expanded into other accessories. And I just thought this whole concept of empowering the consumer to determine what it is that the brand or company makes was just absolutely fascinating. And I think that because consumers are becoming more sophisticated, that they do, in fact, really know what it is that they want. And so in the back of my mind, I always was thinking about ways in which we could incorporate this crowdsourcing model to, to something. And so when Taffy talked about this foldable flat idea, instantly I thought, okay, this is an opportunity to incorporate crowdsourcing with this. How do we do it? And then we went through uh, a process of iterating what we currently have as our current business model. So you're back at the university. You have all the resources of a great business school. You've got alumni, you have professors. Talk about that mix here and, and how that generated towards your success in launching this company. So yeah, when I came back, I enrolled in uh, Glen Oaken's business startup practicum. I don't know if if either of you have taken that course or if you've looked into it, but you have to pitch a business idea pretty early on and kind of get other students on board to help you build out your business plan. It's not really a business plan. What he wants you to do is come up with this concept and rip it apart. What are the risks? Why should you not get into this business? And that's what I really loved about that class because I think we did need, again, I'm the risk taker. So I did need a course to kind of ground me and say, you know, mm-hmm. how could this go terribly wrong? Now, not enough people were interested in my, my idea, but there was one student who was. So I said, it's okay. We're going to continue. I have the syllabus. We're going to continue to work on using Oaken's framework, but outside of the classroom. So it was, you know, our small group of three. Mm-hmm. And then we were able through our own networks to find a footwear designer so that we could at least start prototyping. And one of the biggest questions that came out of taking his class is, what is going to make your brand defensible? I mean, yeah, you could be the first mover. You could be the first brand of foldable flats in Africa. But when someone else comes up, starts copying, or one of the bigger brands just starts making that category, what makes you so special? So I think working with JG and his knowledge of the history of textiles on the continent and, you know, the decision that we made to not just do your typical everyday kind of black or brown flat, but using textiles from West Africa, figuring out how to integrate the stories behind the fabrics. Um, There was a lot of evolution that came Mm -hmm. about, and it's because of his very intimate knowledge of the history. But I think that's where we really started working on making our business defensible. So it sounds like it was a pretty iterative process. (coughs) You had a framework from Stern, but you had to iterate on business model, Mm -hmm. on crowdsourcing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on geography. I mean, what what else? You know, how did you decide where to to launch first? How did you decide to source materials? That is. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I'll take that one. And, you know... Yes, it's been an iterative process. We're still iterating uh, to this very day. I think you kind of have to in this fast 
moving, dynamic and retail environment or mm-hmm. its environment period. But in terms of how we decided on the location, right? So like I said, I interned with my primary passion is media entertainment and tech. And I interned with Viacom in Nigeria. I had a really good experience and I wanted to take up or pursue a full-time opportunity with a company. Uh, my initial goal was to join the team in South Africa. Uh, the South African media landscape is a lot more developed than that in Nigeria. Um, but the, the head of the company at the time thought that I'll be better served in Nigeria because Nigeria has become the, the biggest media and entertainment market on the continent by leaps and bounds. Um, it's, I think, just, it's not, I think Bollywood's like the biggest market and, uh, and then Nollywood. It's called Nollywood. Nollywood. Right. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard that so, before. Yeah, yeah, so Nollywood second and then you have Hollywood. So, you know, that's just with, uh, with video content. Uh, and features, not to mention music. Like the music's really been traveling like crazy. And so that's what really drew me to the opportunity. And so ended up in Nigeria and Taffy, again, with this theme of being the risk taker, at the time we were dating, uh, she decides to purchase another one-way ticket to Nigeria. Yep. Love the one-way ticket. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is like, a, this is like right a, a theme throughout a theme. this entire <laughs> Right. She purchased a one-way ticket to Nigeria. Well, first of all, she's like, yeah, so... After I graduate, I'm going to, you know, move to Nigeria and, you know, be with you and start this business. I was like, yeah, okay. Because I was already <laughs> in Nigeria at the time. I was like, yeah, okay. So this is someone that's never, I mean, she'd been to Nigeria for the for Christmas, Christmas holidays. So I spent right? like two weeks with right. him Right, I mean, but that was not representative. So you met the fam. <clears throat> that, that's a, yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's yeah. a step for sure. <laughs> right, right. Um, but at the, I mean, but Christmas is totally different from like everyday life in Nigeria. Which I've right? now learned. <laughs> <laughs> Having lived in Lagos for four years now, right, I've right, learned that. Right, right. So when she said that, I was like, okay, you know, interesting. We'll see, we'll see where this goes. And to be honest with you, I had a sense of doubt because I'm like, this is someone that has spent most of her life in New York and literally is going to pick up everything and move to Nigeria. And the only person she knows is me. No it's a pressure. Lot of pressure. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so you know, I had the sense of doubt, but then, like, I think a week before she came, so like, yeah. So I bought my ticket. I've done. I've you know moved. Um, I've sorted out storage and everything like that. And so here's when uh, uh, these are my flight details. I was like, oh wow, this is real. And so she came. Uh, you know, it was uh, uh, an amazing first few uh, few months where we just started like getting settled and. And developing the business, but you know, to answer your question, that's how we ended up in Nigeria. That's amazing. Can you tell us a, little, a bit more about the meaning of the name Tondos, and you know, maybe some of the idea generation behind that and what that means? Sure. Yeah. So that initial group of the, the three of us plus the designer are. Well, fir- you want to start with the name in South Africa first, and then what happened with the group? Sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So while I was in South Africa, I actually celebrated my thirtieth birthday. And my girlfriends decided to give me a traditional Klausa name. And Klausa is the language. I've really mastered that. It's actually Nelson Mandela's native tongue. Mm. They studied me really well. They found out that my name Taffy means beloved and Tondo means love in Klausa. So they gave me the name. They gave me this really beautiful, like traditional Klausa hat. And um, it was great because it was on my 30th birthday. So fast forward to we need to find a name for these foldable flats. And we had no idea where to start. I think we started with Togo's. It was just, yeah, we were running with that for a few weeks. And then one of my classmates came up with a list of names that she thought might be cool. She was a marketing major. So there were a lot of African names. The first name on the list was 
Tondos. Wow. So JG and I looked at each other and we're like, we have this name the entire time, <laughs> you know, and it made Destiny sense. Right. And uh, then I came up with a tagline for the love of the soul, S-O-L-E. It's a very nice um, play on words. Yeah. So, yeah, we were like, this makes sense, right? We want our customers to feel like their feet are loved. We want to provide a comfortable solution. We want to give back. So I feel like we've been playing on that name even more as our business has evolved mm -hmm. uh, and the mission and our values continue to kind of hold true to that love name. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So I guess just for our listeners, if you could just describe the business, what does it do? What does it do today? How has that evolved? Just describe mm -hmm. it. So um, Tandos is a fashion company that utilizes crowdsourcing to determine its product assortment. We start the process by identifying African causes, and that inspires design competitions that we then use for the crowdsourcing process. Our inaugural product is the foldable ballerina flat, but we do see ourselves evolving into more of a lifestyle company in the future. Because what we've, what we've realized, right, as we're developing the company is that there isn't really any retail African brand that has global resonance. It doesn't exist. And so for us, that's a huge opportunity. Besides right. the beers. Right. And a, yeah. lot, of, a lot of people Diamonds. don't realize the beers is even African. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. but, and so that's a huge opportunity for us to really develop this lifestyle brand that's based on this very strong foundation of crowdsourcing and then using African causes to inspire the crowdsourcing process mm -hmm. because the, the vision is to present the world with products that tell African stories. I find it fascinating that you've partnered with these initiatives and different groups. Can you talk a little about some of those partnerships that you've developed and, and what those look like? Sure. So our current collection, we partnered with an NGO based in Lagos called Cesar. Cesar works with uh, internally displaced people. So in, in Nigeria, we just for short call them IDPs. And IDPs, the largest population of IDPs are people displaced by floods. So every year, 600,000 people end up homeless in Nigeria because of flooding, poor infrastructure. They have to completely uproot their lives. So we decided that that was a worthy cause. There was a flood, a really severe flood that took place in 2012 that they're still trying to recover from. Over a million people, almost a million and a half people were displaced just from that one flood. Wow. So the design competition for that one, we, ha we had about 40 submissions around water and it was, it was pretty cool. Our most recent partnership is with an NGO called uh, PWAR, Peacemakers Women at Risk. Um, it's run by a missionary couple. They started the NGO back in 2002. And they actually provide refuge for women who've been victims of sex trafficking. Their story is, is one that really like brought us both to tears. Unfortunately, Nigeria is a kind of the first stop for women who are being sex trafficked out of West Africa. You have women as young as 12 and 13 kind of being deceived wow. by family members um, and close family friends for a better life in Europe. Um, you might have seen the headline on CNN. There were 26 women who drowned some months back in transit from, I think it was Niger, on their way to, um, to Italy. And so we thought that this was timely, but also the way we even met this particular NGO, the couple trains the women to make crafts. You know, they, they need to find a new profession. These are women who'd been in the sex trade since they were 12 or 13 years old. That's mm -hmm. all they really know how to do. And so once they come out of that industry, 
they feel like they are, they're worthless, that they don't you know, have a skill. So they train them in jewelry making. And so we were at an event where some volunteers were selling the jewelry. And that's how uh, we learned about that initiative and decided that this would be a very, very good cause to partner with for our mm-hmm. next collection. Well, mm-hmm. that, that's incredible what yeah. you guys are doing. I'm curious, Thanks. was it something, you know, having a, a social impact, was it something that was important to both of you and, and it was something that you wanted to do all along? Did it, did it kind of, how did that come to be such a key facet and, and you know, kind of cornerstone of the business? I mean, it's something that, for me, anyways, having spent some of my formative years in Nigeria, <laughs> even though Nigeria does <clears throat> celebrate some amazing, brilliant individuals, it still has a lot of problems. I feel like I've always felt like nothing's been, you know, not enough's done to really help folks that, that need, need the help. And so I guess subconsciously, I've always had this desire to give back. My family is very big on philanthropy. And so I've just grown up in that, in that world. And so, you know, whatever it is that I get myself involved in, I've always like volunteered when I worked in corporate America. And so it's just something that's been, been in me. And, you know, similar to, it's a value that Taffy also shares. Yeah. I'm, I think (laughs) since birth, my Mm -hmm. parents are always giving back. They were always very generous with their time. They didn't have a, a ton of money, so they always would volunteer, and they taught us to volunteer mm-hmm. um, as children. And um, I've always been very involved in the NYU community, a very involved alum. I started a scholarship fund for low-income students uh, back in 2009. And so anywhere I go, I always have this lens of how can I help, how mm-hmm. can I add value? Mm-hmm. And I think moving to Lagos really it opened my eyes to some of the challenges there, and I, I, I couldn't not I couldn't be there and not figure out a way, way to to help. Yeah. To help. And mm-hmm. now we have a platform to where we that. can help. And yeah. then, so we also so we call it we came up with this radical idea, right? Like to build a company that makes awesome products that people are passionate about that also helps people. Like we call it this virtuous cycle, right? So as a consumer, you're getting a product of good value, of good quality for a good price. As a company, we're generating that revenue. And then with our NGO partners and the constituency that they support, they're getting access to resources that weren't ordinarily or originally there. So I feel like everyone wins. What is your vision for Tondo's moving forward? And how would you say that plugs into kind of the larger story and narrative coming out of Africa? So I think the vision for Tondo's is to be we, we like to, to, to joke around and say, like, the Ralph Lauren of Africa. And what does that mean? That means that we strive to be the world's first global African lifestyle brand that is also empowered by its consumers. Um, you have very renowned individuals that believe the customer doesn't know what they want until you present it to them, a.k.a. Steve Jobs. <laughs> right? But we believe in our business that the customer does know what they want. And it's the company's job to listen to the customer. So you're giving them what they, what, you know, what they desire. And as a company, you're also de-risking your production process, right, by giving the customers what they want. So, so it, the, the vision is to build this company that's fundamentally based on empowering the consumer that celebrates African stories through innovative products. And I think our... Really, at our core, we want to focus on design. I mean, it's yep. through design that we're able to tell the stories. And um, if you look at our products today, it's just footwear. But if you look at the print that's on that shoe, that print could live on anything. It could live on a T-shirt. It could live on drapes. It could live on uh, a coffee shoes. mug. I do. It could live on a coffee mug. 
Yeah, I have a pair. So you guys can see. I don't know if you guys have seen them in person. I have not. Yeah. So Actually, Frank, you bought, can Frank bought a pair for his wife. Oh, oh awesome. hi. Thanks, Frank. He's really heavy into the, into the research before these things. <laughs> I see. That. Nice. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, having a focus on design, having a focus on um, really highlighting the artist community on the continent and providing opportunities for them. And I think to, to tie into your question of, you know, how does that tie into what's going on on the continent today? I think because Africa is kind of touted as that last frontier or the final frontier, mm-hmm. um, I feel like we have an opportunity to learn from the mistakes of other kind of other markets that, you know, we're just focused on maybe just cheap labor. You know, we have, you know, Africa has this rich culture of artistry of um, the culture is so deep. Most everything has this really rich story behind it. And so when you have talent that might not have, you know, access to money or access to technology, but you give them an opportunity to create something, you'd be surprised what you come up with. I mean, most people look at this print and they would think the young woman who produced who produced that design, you know, she works pretty much as like a telemarketer. You know, she works in a call center for a bank. She works the night shift from, I want to say, 8, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., she makes about $175 a month, and she supports her family off of that income. Mm-hmm. But look at the brilliance that came through. She was able to tell this story of flooding um, in a really cool kind of abstract way. And we want to be able to give more people that opportunity. You know, just because you, you don't have resources doesn't mean you can't create something beautiful and kind of put your brilliance on display for the world. It's an inspiring view of just the human potential, yeah. right? Just untapped, like doesn't matter what you're doing, you know, you have untapped value there. Absolutely. Yeah. So for our listeners, I guess we should, we should describe the shoe. First of all, it's folded in half. It comes mm-hmm. in this tight, nice, like neat little pouch, which is super portable. Mm-hmm. These are machine washable, right? Yes, yes, they are. That's brilliant. I love the logo. It's beautiful. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. What's the story behind this? So we outsourced... The logo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, to one of those like 99 designs kind of platforms, th- this just stuck out at us. We were mm-hmm. like, this is, this makes sense. But the shoe itself, I mean, it's really, really well made, nice rubber sole. And it's, it's two pieces, right? Two soles. So it's easy to kind of to fold up, but also super comfortable. I imagine it fits really well, nice and snug. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got a really nice leather strap here at the back to help you get it's it on off. vegan ice. leather. Vegan right. leather. So we're vegan actually brand. a vegan cool. brand. So no animals were harmed in the production of our products. Wow. And are these stories found on your website? How can a consumer find more mm-hmm. information about this? On our website. Yep, yeah. on our website. Information's on our website. Great. We actually have a blog post dedicated to Chioma, who's the, yeah, artist, the artist behind, behind the this design. design. So you guys are married. You've yes. got the successful business. You're successful NYU Stern alums. Talk to us a bit about just the personal challenges you guys have of starting a business and maybe how that's evolved and some lessons learned uh, along the way. I think with starting a business, let's start with the first challenge that I think every entrepreneur faces, right, is access to funding, right? Because without the finances, you know, your ideas can just stay as ideas. And so, you know, the fundraising process had been, you know, it started off being challenging. It's becoming a lot less challenging now because we have proof of concept. We have well over 3,000 customers now. And, you know, the business is, you know, it's, it's, it's growing. But when we present this idea to your traditional VC investors or even like micro VCs, they 
can't quite understand the context of the business that we're presenting, right? First of all, we're talking about Africa. And Africa is a very foreign concept to a lot of people. You know, some folks still think Africa is a country. So it's funny, Taffy had this <laughs> shirt that she was wearing I have a during, a, yeah, sweatshirt during a pop-up tour. Africa is not a country. Right. <laughs> right. FYI. Right, FYI. So, you know, so that, that initially was challenging. And then, you know, the retail space is can be frothy, right? You, it's very, it's hyper-competitive. You know, in this day and age, you have just brands popping up every day. You know, you have what we call Instagram brands that just pop up left, right, and center because the supply chains have just become a lot more... A lot more simple, right? So it's like, how do you stand out in this in this world? And so for us, it really boils down to our story. Yes, you have to have a good product, first of all, right? But then your story has to support that. And I think over time, as we have been getting more sales, increasing our awareness, increasing customers, people are really starting to understand the story. And, you know, Facebook recently even came to Nigeria in October, to do, they have this uh, docu-series called, it used to be called Facebook Stories, now it's called Community Voices, and you guys heard of it? No. Okay. But essentially, it's, the, the intention of the series is to feature how some of its Facebook's users are utilizing the platform in interesting ways, right? And every year, they select five international stories, and Tano's was selected as one of the international wow. stories. Incredible. Yeah, thanks. So they came to Nigeria to do the shoot on... In October, in October, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going to get released um, within the next couple couple of months or what have you. But yeah. what helped that happen was that we got invited to to Facebook to do a pop up at the headquarters, and the you know Facebook employees that came in purchasing the product were really enamored by the story. Like, oh, this is a cool product, but the story is so engaging, right? And that's you know the the more we find that people can understand the story, it helps out with that fundraising process. But and it serves to differentiate you as well. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And it's speaking. and one of the biggest challenges starting a retail business mm-hmm. is that retail, you know, since the 70s has been going through deflation, right? If you look at, you know, like U.S. consumer spending, in 1977, it was like 6.2% of our household budget. Today, it's 3.1. People aren't buying clothes as much as they used to. I remember growing up, my mom having three separate wardrobes, right? She had work, church, and then like <laughs> casual And today, you know, with the rise of Silicon Valley and kind of like come as you are, people really have like one wardrobe, Mm -hmm. right? And it helps our brand because we have a casual footwear option that, you know, and most of our our number one customer kind of audience comes out of California, out of the Valley area. But with that said, you have more and more brands competing, like JG said, but people are buying less and less because they don't have a need to have so many pieces of Mm -hmm. clothing. So for us, we do have to, you know, how do we mitigate that is really focusing on our story, creating Team Tondos, which we've worked to do. You know, when you purchase a pair of our shoes, you're bought into our story, you're bought into the cause. We have so many customers who are philanthropic in nature. They want to know what's going on with the flood victims. What's the next cause that we're going to tap into? Or just teachers and moms who are enthusiasts about comfort, and they just love the design as well. That's been a real challenge, but I feel like we've done a good job at managing kind of the, you know, that macro challenge of the retail sector, just Mm -hmm. not looking like a sector that's going to be growing anytime Mm -hmm. soon. Yeah, and I think another challenge is, from an operational standpoint, production, 
Yes. Sourcing the right manufacturing partner. Yes. That is... That could make or break you. Extremely challenging. And that goes back again to what's going on in retail, right? You have, you know, a lot of manufacturing has moved to China, you know, over the past few decades. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know 90% of footwear is still produced in China. And so that was the first place we looked to design our shoes because we wanted great quality. And so what we've learned, though, is that even though we're growing, we're not a huge brand, we're kind of like a blip on the radar of a lot of these factories. And so you're also finding that now incomes are rising in China, wages are going up. And so now people are looking at other markets. So Ethiopia is actually one of the new budding footwear production hotspots. I think as of last year, they probably exported a million pairs of shoes, mm-hmm. and I think they're on wow. track to do almost three million right, this, this year. Mm-hmm. So Nike just opened up their first, or they're considering, considering opening up, opening the up first their factory. first factory. But you have brands like Nine West, Brown Shoe Company, mm-hmm. Under Armour, who are already manufacturing in Ethiopia. In Ethiopia, uh, and so we've been for the past six months or so doing our own research into producing our shoes there. So we're in the prototyping stage and it's exciting for us because it helps to round out our story, right? Designed in Africa, made in Africa. Made in Africa. And not to say anything bad about that, you have brands like Warby Parker. We're both wearing Warby Parker glasses (laughs) um, and they're made in China, but you know, they give back, right? So people can get past that. And And our customers tend to get past that part of our business model, but we really do want to figure out how we can produce our shoes on the continent. That makes it kind of puts a nice bow on the whole story. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. I tell you, we could sit here and talk all day about this. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are amazing people. You have an amazing company, an amazing story. Thank you so much. For our listeners, you can check them out, tandos.com, T-H-A-N-D-O-S.com. Anything you guys want to say before we sign off? Well, you know, we have, like Taffy alluded to, to this earlier, that we have our next collection that we're working on that's inspired by victims of sex trafficking. We're currently curating the designs right now, but we're looking to open up the voting process for those designs within the next month or so. So I just think folks should look out for that to, to help us. Yeah, help us determine what it is that we're going to yeah. be making next. Well, thank you again for coming, and thank you for continuing to be involved with the NYU Stern community. We appreciate it. The larger community appreciates it. Thank you again for your time. Thank you, guys. This was fun. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Absolutely.